College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 28 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1 Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. Today's show brought to us by our good friends at S2. S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from the youth levels all the way to the professional levels. Again, thanks to our good friends at S2. This great product. Did a podcast recently with Tim Corbin on their assessment program. Highly recommend that for everyone. Gentlemen, good morning, good day. We got a, it's a special edition today. It's a coach conversation, which allows us to have a quad box, which is outstanding. Yeah. Let me in, yeah. Let me introduce the quad box. Upper left, the governor of East Texas, Kendall J. Rogers. Lower left, we've got Aaron Zebediah Fit, the coastal elite hipster. And then the special guest, Coach Forbes, Scott Forbes of North Carolina. Coach Forbes, how are we doing? Good to see you. Great. Appreciate y'all having me on today. For people watching the video, the podcasters will not get this. Coach Forbes' background is elite, elite, like an easy 80. And I'm talking to you, Coach Johnson, Jay Johnson. If you're looking for a mentor in this area, Coach Forbes, well done. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. You can thank Dave Arundas, our director of operations. He gave me the idea. That is as good as I've seen right there. That is. That's pretty good. That's really good. But yeah. by the way, Runes, you did not introduce Aaron as an esteemed Tar Heel. That's in, that's a little controversial this morning. Aaron's for, again for you podcasters that aren't viewing. Aaron, the only guy not wearing baby blue today. I don't know, missed the memo. Oh, you call it baby blue. Be a professional here. Got to be professional. Carolina here. blue. Sorry. Coach, Aaron, what do we got to do to get Aaron's name on the wall there? Retire his number, his jersey. What surprises me? Doesn't have anything on. I gave him like. <laughs> Hence the bias sign behind behind Coach. I love Carolina. Carolina has this. I don't know if these guys still do it, but they had this. I'm a Tar Heel program, and there's a particular yeah. there's a particular scout that we all love who's played at Carolina, and he's one of the guys up on the video board reading the message. I am a Tar Heel, and all the other scouts give him such a hard time about That's it. Awesome. It's, it's oh, delightful. That is great. Of course they That's do. Terrific. Of course. That is awesome. All right, Coach Forbes, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to go a couple around, a couple times around the horn, fire some questions at you. At the end, you're going to get to bring up a topic. If we were the four of us, were the commissioner of college baseball for a day, what is the topic that you'd like us to address? Whether that's scholarships, coaches, postseason, recruiting, whatever it is, we'll do a a uh, global college baseball topic at the end. But I, so I'm going to start, Coach Forbes. I'm proud of myself. I did some serious research for this question. So the day is May 8th, 2022. And it's a Sunday, game three of the series against NC State. And the Tar Heels are, it, there's a chance you're going to lose your sixth straight series. You're down in the eighth. Fast forward six weeks later, you guys are hosting a Super Regional. So it's a long way of saying this, like in your two years as a skipper, man, you've, you've tried the whole menu as a head coach. Like you've had a lot of different experiences, but I want to hone in on that. That would seem like, again, you guys had played six straight series against NCAA tournament caliber teams. Obviously that's the ACC for you, but man, I would love to hear about that Sunday where it's, this is getting really spooky. And then next thing you know, you're hosting a super regional. Yeah, I can remember it really well because when you're going through that type of season where you start real hot and then you play really 
I don't know if it's, we played really bad. We just couldn't find ways to finish games. So we lost quite a few games in that stretch, that second stretch in inning seven through nine. That's when we lost them. We weren't making plays defensively. We weren't holding leads. But that Sunday game, I went into that. I remember going into that state series thinking, okay, we've got to win two out of three. It's on the road. It's going to be hard to do. And But I also knew that if we did that, we finished favorably at home. And we've always been good, as most teams are, at home here at the Bosch. So it was a tight game. We were down, and we found a way. You look at the, those two wins we had there, they were close. They beat us bad in the one win. And the two wins we had, I believe, both were by one run. I, I don't know without looking at it. But that built our confidence on the road. And then we had Wake Forest, and we had Florida State, and we finished against those two, against two really good teams. Honestly, I thought Wake had one of the best teams in our league. And we played them here at home. They were so offensive. They hit some balls to the warning track. And we found a way to get two out of three and then finish with a sweep against Florida State. So it was a game of momentum, as we saw. That's a great thing about baseball. You look at Ole Miss, you look at the Phillies right now, and our guys found a way to, to get that game. But it wasn't a great feeling, to be honest with you, going into that game at the Doak, knowing we had to find a way to win because they win a lot of games at home. Yeah, Scott, the thing I was curious about is you look at head coaches around the country and a lot of guys have a specialty. You look at Kevin O'Sullivan at Florida, pitching is his specialty. You look at other guys across the country and like hitting might be their specialty. You're a jack of all trades. Like you, you've coached pitchers, you've coached hitters. Just for people listening, like out of those two things, like what do you enjoy coaching the most out of those two things? And how has coaching those two aspects of baseball molded you into the head coach that you are right now? Man, I'm very thankful that I've done both. I think it helps me be able to relate to both as a head coach. Um, being a pitching coach for all those years, if you have not been a pitching coach and then you become a head coach or you are a head coach and you don't haven't been involved much in that pitching background, it's a little bit harder. It takes you a little bit of time to understand what it's like being in that bullpen every day, knowing every single pitcher, knowing when to make the right move. So it helps me be more decisive as far as pitching changes mm -hmm. in a game. And then the offensive side, on the reverse side, it helps me from the standpoint of understanding how much these kids are going to fail and don't get on them too much because you can be 0 for 12 and get hot and start playing well. So during that stretch, relying on that background of not overreacting, just staying positive, learning a lot from my first year being a head coach in COVID, we squeaked into that regional. But really what I learned the most where all that's prepared me is in-game decisions being able to make them decisively and not looking back doesn't mean they're going to be right. But I also enjoy now what I enjoy the most is being able to be on the field and be involved in all areas. I like to be overly involved, but being the head coach at the end of the day, you make the final decision. But I like being able to walk down the bullpen and watch a bullpen. I like being able to go out early with our infielders. I like to be out with our hitters. And I do all the base running. That's really the, my baby now. That's the main thing. But everything else, if you hire great coaches – you have to trust those coaches, and I've got those. I'm having a blast with that part of it, but it definitely helped me prepare for more of the in-game stuff. Hmm. Uh, you said something there that I want to follow up on, and I know this is out there, and, and probably a lot of Carolina fans have heard this before, but just the parallel between you and Hubert Davis talked about staying positive during that tough stretch this past year, and I know that was something that 
the basketball team under Coach Davis in his first year had a similar experience and much was written about his mentality. How do you kind of see yourself and him? I know you've known him for a long time, but do you, you see that parallel? How much do you guys draw off of each other? Yeah, I've known Coach Davis since he came back here as an ESPN analyst. Our wives became good friends and we attended the same church. Our kids went to the same school. We're similar people, too, just on how we view the coaching side of things and the impact that we can have on these kids. But at the end of the day, also, you have to pay attention to how the game's changing, whether or not it's basketball, whether or not it's baseball, and how you have to coach kids differently. Because the saying is, oh, you can coach them the same. Well, you can't. The, you, even Nick Saban said it best, the yelling, the screaming, it, it doesn't work like it did maybe even when I played. I mean, it might work for a couple players, but it's understanding the pulse of your team and the individual players. And Coach Davis has a really big strength of that. If you go watch his practice, he's a positive guy. He loves on his kids. Now there is that tough love. That's what we talk about here. Tough love is getting you to do things the right way and the expectations. But I'm just not a negative Nancy and I don't like being around that stuff. So our guys figure that out pretty quick that if they're walking out here and their energy suckers as they say that we're going to have a hard time and they've got to figure out how to learn to be positive how to have good body language and i think that definitely helped us but i did talk to coach davis and i called him and said what'd you do during your turf tough stretch hmm. and he just kept saying he told our guys eliminate the outside distractions don't pay any attention to it and that's no offense to unc baseball but it's unc basketball here we're talking about so you can imagine the distractions that those guys have it's the, one of the best basketball programs in the country and we feel like we have one of the best baseball programs in the country but in the whole scheme of things basketball is a bigger sport in college and he said they just buckled down and concentrated on each other and because after they lost a pit they were done he said everybody wrote them off and the team enjoyed that down the stretch oh those are all the people that wrote us off now they all want our autograph now they all want to hang out with us to keep that <laughs> chip and finish the season with that chip Man, so many great examples recently in sports of teams that were dead and buried. And I'm, I hope my fantasy football team's paying attention, Coach because <laughs> We're two and five, and we're done. People have written us off. Hey, guys, before we go uh, round two with Coach Forbes, we've got a new partnership at D1 Baseball that we're really excited about, and that's with the ABCA. Just want to encourage everyone listening, the American Baseball Coaches Association annual convention and trade show is going to be January 5th through the 8th, 2023 at the Gaylord Opryland in Nashville. It's the biggest and best baseball weekend of the year. You guys have heard me talk about it. It's it's uh, the networking is amazing. The camaraderie is incredible. The fellowship. But then also it's a chance to sharpen your axe as a coach. It makes you a better coach for what you're trying to do in your career. You're a better coach for those players you're going to go back to in January. And Fitzy and Eric and Kendall have heard me say this, but I totally get it. Coach Forbes, I know you've had this experience too, where, hey, you're the volunteer coach or you're a high school coach or you're a junior college coach. And the, the budget for the convention is there is no budget, right? So I'm just telling you, do what you got to do. Have a beef and beer, have a car wash, sell brownies. It is so worth it. It is the best money you're going to ever spend in your career. And we look forward to seeing everyone there. Again, really excited about that partnership. Coach Forbes, okay, so the obvious player on your roster to talk about is Vance Honeycutt, your center fielder. This kid is the, – the comp in my mind for him – and they don't have the same body type at all. It's Bo Jackson. And what I mean by that is this kid was a big-time football player. Like, I think we could put Vance Honeycutt in a Division One football game, and he would be just fine. And when you watch him play baseball – 
it's freakish because he's bigger than everybody else while also being faster than everybody else. So I've got a specific question, but any general, love to hear about just coaching a kid like this who's like, it's freakish athleticism. But the thing that's going to be interesting for you guys is, hey, he had 25 home runs as a true freshman. That's ridiculous. 29 steals, which is incredible. But he also had 90 punch outs. So it's like you look at all the damage that he did with a lot of swing and miss. So the, so I'm curious from a coaching perspective, how do you take this kid that's already like a game-changing player and work on the swing and miss without him getting consumed by it? Yeah, Vance is he's a great story because he wasn't recruited heavily, came to our camp. I have to give Coach Wiersbicki a lot of credit. Like, I wasn't at that camp. I was on the road recruiting and he just thought his athleticism and his fast twitch was really going to play. He didn't know how soon it was going to play. He was really small and thin. And then COVID hit, state championship quarterback, and he started blowing up a little bit in that spring. But we couldn't even go see him because we were shut down. A couple of scout buddies of mine called me and said, hey, you need to get, you need to talk to Vance and make sure that he's still planning on coming to school because you know how kids get and they get all that attention. But Vance's dad played here. His mom ran track here. We joke with his dad all the time and tell him he got the speed from his mom. But the thing about Vance is all the better players, at least in my time, the best, the ones that are the elite, they just have that trait of they're not satisfied. And that's how Vance has been since he walked in here. He's coachable. He changed his swing halfway through the season, which is really hard to do because he was striking out at an elite rate. And he had that tilt in his swing and he just couldn't get to that good velocity. So him and coach Weir's got in the cages and they simplified things to try to get more of that direct type swing, kind of like a Bregman where he started his hands instead of getting the tilt and a credit to Vance. He applied it. He was one of our hottest guys down the stretch, but the reason he was able to stay in the lineup as a true freshman is he was able to handle that failure. And that's a lot of strikeouts. And he played in elite center field. He didn't take it out in the center field. And we're also talking about a guy that played shortstop or infield pretty much his whole life. So we put him in the outfield. And then after about three scrimmages, Angel Zarate, who we thought was going to be our center fielder, jogged in one day. He was like, Coach, I can't do that. And we all started laughing about it because he made a crazy play. Um, but Vance is not going to get consumed in that type of thing. We know that, okay, he's a smart enough kid to know that he needs to strike out less. And he wants to move the ball with two strikes. But you have to be careful saying, hey, Vance, just move the ball with two strikes when you can hit a three-run home run with two strikes. So it's more pitch recognition, um, trying to lay off balls out of the zone because that's where most strikeouts happen and do damage on balls in the zone. And he had a great fall. He's gotten better. He's worked. He's bigger, believe it or not, and he's still just as fast. So you don't get many kids like this. The speed reminds me of Trey Turner, who I coached against. So if he does cut back on those strikeouts, the exciting part is I think you can get to that 50 mark stolen base potentially, especially if he learns to steal third base like Trey could. Kendall, you're muted. Yeah, I was going to switch gears back to the coaching aspects, Coach Forbes, and talk about Mike Fox real quick. Obviously, he's a guy that you had a great relationship with. You spent a large amount of your career with Coach Fox. We're talking about a guy who won 40-plus games, 16 out of 22 seasons, won a national championship at the D3 level there at Wesleyan. What was his secret sauce? You talk about some of the legendary coaches in college baseball and modern history. What was his secret sauce and what did he kind of teach you that you've carried on as a head coach here in your third season? 
Kendall, he taught me a lot. I wouldn't be sitting here without Mike Foss because obviously he recruited me out of a junior college to play for him at North Carolina Westland and then asked me to be his volunteer here in 1998 or first season was 99. But it was ama what's amazing to me looking back is playing for coach North Carolina Westland, watching how he ran the program there. Yes, it was Division Three, but we were a powerhouse at the time. We made the Division Three World Series. If we didn't win 40 games, it was a bad season. But then to see him basically do the exact same thing, the same blueprint, the same model with the discipline, the organization, the work ethic, the strength and condition, the attention to detail, to see him apply that here and get the culture where it was at North Carolina Westland here was really neat for me being a former player. The biggest difference was the talent. We were lucky to have Chad Holbrook and Roger Williams already here who were elite recruiters. And that was one of the smartest things Coach Fox ever did was keep those two guys here. And they continued to get great players. And I was able to learn from those two guys from both sides of Roger Williams. All you got to do is follow his career, arm after arm. Chad Holbrook, one of the most elite recruiters history-wise in the country with success here, then going to South Carolina. But I think to answer your question for me personally is just the attention to detail, but also not changing your standards, period. Our guys, from the first day they get here, they know how we do things. They know what our expectations are. They know what our culture is. And we don't think they're that hard to meet those. But if you don't meet them on a daily basis, you're going to have trouble getting on the field here. And when that gets, you get that going, your guys like Vance Honeycutt and Matt Corvath and those guys do it every single day. That's the blueprint. But one thing that Coach Fox had that I picked up on was like, this works. And what's a great story about Coach Fox, I don't know if y'all knew this, he got a lot of what he did coaching-wise from Dean Smith. He played JV basketball here. And he used to just sit in the stands, he told me, and watch Dean Smith run his practices. And if you read any of Dean Smith's books, attention to detail, a lot like John Wooden, if – for instance, for us, if your group starts at 105, we're starting at 105. If it ends at 120, we're stopping at 120. But also everything else, the way he did things, the way he kept the stadium and meticulous and all that good stuff. But for me, the biggest word for Coach Fox is just overall discipline. He instilled that in us, and that takes you a long way, as you guys know. For sure. Looking at Coach Fox, I never would have guessed he had a basketball background. I'm just saying. Uh, that's not as little surprised to hear He's that. got a good game, too. Yeah, sure. he's a baller, huh? Yeah, before Feisty. we're all older and out of shape, me, Coach Fox, Coach Roger Williams, Chad Holbrook, we'd pick one player. We used to play our guys, and we were hard to beat. Wow. That's, that's, <laughs> that's why he retired. He's out there on gym. the uh, playground. We always picked up the best guy, though, so we had the best <laughs> player that could run the floor. It makes Smart. me think back to Kyle Snyder, now the pitching coach at – for the Rays, he we always picked him up because he was tall and he could rebound. And then we just wax all over all those guys. <laughs> Coach, have you ever seen somebody like when you've seen your baseball players play basketball? Have you ever seen somebody you're like, hey, I actually think they could might play for a basketball team? I didn't see them play a lot, but a lot of our guys talk about Ken Emanuel. Like I said, he could really play because we encourage him not to play too much, but sure. obviously <laughs> that doesn't always happen. So we used to play every fall, but we stopped that just out of the fear of rolling the ankle or. Oh, yeah. I would prefer Honeycutt and Horvath not try to go play pickup three days a week. <laughs> kids are going to be kids, so you just kind of pick your battles. There we go. Ken and Manny. I, I uh, love, by the way, just kind of wrapping up the Coach Fox discussion. There yeah. were a couple of special moments during this past season. You could see how gratifying it was for him to see the success that you had and that obviously he 
cares deeply about the program, but also about you individually. And I just remember that moment. Um, I think it was after the ACC tournament that you won where he gave you a hug right before you were go, go, about to go speak to the media. And you're like, man, don't make me cry. But yeah. he was already a puddle. It was just to see that kind of genuine emotion. I don't know. I'm sure that's more common than those of us on the outside realize. But boy, you guys work together for so long. And that connection is real. You can't fake that. No, you can't. And that was a great moment All about the comparison to humor. And we talked about this a lot. Like you have to, you have to embrace the fact there's two things. You either run from it or you embrace it. He's following a Hall of Fame basketball coach and I'm following a Hall of Fame baseball coach. And we both just talked about, hey, we got to embrace it. They support the heck out of us, which is huge for both of us. And then we just have to do the best we can. That was to, to go through the year we went through and to finish like that and to win the AC championship. Obviously, you're not going to find a bigger Tar Heel. Yeah, and Coach Fox and to be NC State, I think he was even more overjoyed. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, that rivalry has, has been a good one over the years. You've had so many good players come through there, just even since this stint since 2006. It's a heck of a run. But you think about all the stars that have come through the Millers and the Bards and the Ackleys and the Seegers and on all these big leaguers. And the, how about Zach Gallon, the success that he's having right now in, in the major leagues? There's so many guys that have come through. When you look back on all that, how do you process that? Just the amount of talent that has come through, the amount of development you've done, all the times you and Coach Fox or whoever have gone to some major league stadium to watch another guy make his debut. I know that's something that you guys like to do. There's so much of that. Yeah, that's you get so caught up in the daily stuff when you're in the coaching that you don't reflect on it probably as much as you should. But I am getting better at that because that's one joy of being a head coach. You get a you get to talk to these guys more about coming back. Zach Gallon's going to be our featured first pitch speaker, which is awesome. But like you said, I don't know who said it a long time ago, but if you don't have the Jimmys and the Joes, those X's and O's, you can know a lot of them, but you're not going to have the success. It's all about the players. And when we meet with recruits, we talk about, hey, the two things besides, number one is your degree from North Carolina, which is going to have the biggest impact on your life. But just baseball-wise, we want to help you reach your potential here, maximize it. And if you do that, we're going to win a lot of games. And you're going to be more prepared when you get into the minor leagues. And that's a big myth out there. College coaches, they, yeah, of course we want our guys to come to school and not sign out of high school, but we want all of them to be big leaguers. We just feel strongly that when they leave here, they're going to be more ready to handle that failure. And there, there are a couple guys that obviously are going to sign the high school because they're that good. But man, like you said, the names, it's just, it's, it really is amazing. And it's a credit to those guys because they put in the work. I was talking to Michael Bush not long ago, and I'm thinking, Lord have mercy, this guy hits 34 home runs, and he can't get caught up to the big league. So there's another one that I think is going to be exciting to follow, as well as another uh, another group that we have here now. Love it. Gentlemen, before we uh, before we wrap up here with you, Coach Forbes, I want to uh, – anyone listening – we have a promotion on the website. I just want to encourage everyone, this is the greatest time of the year. There's no bad time of the year. This is the greatest time of the year to get a subscription to D1 Baseball. We've got a promotion. It's Fall 22. That will get you 20% off at checkout. Just put in Fall 22. So Fitzy did an unbelievable fall report on the Tar Heels, which is apropos for today. Patrick Ebert is getting after the Midwest. We've had Minnesota and Illinois drop the last couple of days. And if you guys don't mind, I would like to plug my own UNLV fall report. Coach Forbes, in this fall report, I use the word nary, N-A-R-Y. I counted and described the number of consonants in a player's name. 
I also put a Jeff Bagwell <laughs> and Mike Piazza comp on the same player in that fall report. So I'm just telling you, Jeez. I, I poured it out there. I left it on the field, Coach Forbes. That dude, that's a combination. He, he <laughs> might hit 40. Poor guy's got no chance. This is, <laughs> talk no about doubt. No, he's a good player. He is. He's got no. He's got no problems. But Coach Forbes, here's what we want to wrap with. So the four of us, I've just appointed us the commissionership of college baseball. So for the next 24 hours, we have the remote control. We can steer our sport in in the direction that we see fit. So my question is, we'll discuss this. My question is, what topic is top of mind for you? Is it? Hey, expanding the postseason, changing the postseason, move the season, increase scholarships, coaching staff size, recruiting calendars, recruiting idiosyncrasies, whatever it is, the draft. Take us wherever you want. But what's something that you feel like is if we could only tackle one one piece of college baseball, what's really top of mind Man, for you? One piece? Because I've got a bunch. I could just roll off. <laughs> Give us your first couple. Well, I will okay. say, I think college baseball is in a great place. Let's don't even bring up NIL. Because yep. that would take two hours. It's about five hours of my week already trying to figure all that out. For me, I just want to see right now as fast as possible. I don't want to be talking about it anymore. I want it to happen. I want the volunteer gone. And I want that volunteer to be a full-time coach that can go on. That can, you know, they already do everything except go off campus and recruit. And I would like us to consider one more coach. Because what they're saying is that they give us a 40-man cap roster that's more coaches for the players. And that's what, if you look at coaching, that's what it's about. You have to do a lot of other things, but at the end of the day, it's about coaching your players. And if you have that extra body and you have those, that helps you get the most out of your players, get to know your players the most. If two coaches are on the road, you got three guys that are on the field. So that, that's the most pressing thing. Obviously we want to get rid of the 27 and how we manage our scholarships. But right now, I just want to see, because all we've been talking about forever, are we going to get the, third, the, the coach? Are we going to get the coach? They keep saying, yeah, we're going to. But until it happens, it has to happen. So I'm ready for it to happen. So you guys, as the commissioner's office, need to make sure that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Kendall, you're in charge. Kendall and Fitzy, what about you guys? Is that the one for you, or is there a different one that's top of mind for you guys? Yeah, for me, the coaching thing's top of mind. I, mean, I think scholarships, and I think Coach Forbes would agree here. I think scholarships, even though the Transformation Committee has shown a willingness to discuss it and a willingness to change the landscape in that regard, we're still two or three years away from that becoming reality. There's just a, there's a lot of red tape on that one, to say the least, when it comes to, to Title IX. He mentioned it earlier about North Carolina. They've got 28 sports. There's some of these Big Ten schools that have uh, 35, 36 sports. Stanford has 35, 36 sports. So, you know, these schools, if you're going to sit here and allow every sport to have up to X scholarships, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money that some schools don't have. So I'd say that's a long way from becoming reality. So for me, the most, the most attainable is the coach. The thing that I'm, I'm interested to see what happens, coach, is do you like the idea of allowing basically anybody on the staff to be able to go on the field and coach because that's what I've heard lately is they may not only get rid of volunteer to add a new coach they may just make it where if you're on the if you're on the baseball staff in some regard like you can literally go out there and coach a practice I think that's great I'm not yeah. one of those people that gets into people say oh they're volunteering their director of ops is throwing BP and I'll just be honest with you I don't care you know if I'm all for whatever helps these kids and I think that would help the kids we just hired Carter Hicks our director of player development and 
program development. And he's got a great background being with USA Baseball and ran the draft combine. So him being able to do more on the field would be great if it can help a kid. Because right now, technically, he can't sit down and yeah. coach him. I don't see why. If he's employed here and he's on our staff and they want to say whatever they want to say, if some teams don't have them, they don't have them. Because no matter what, it's not going to be equal. We know that. It's just yeah. kind of the way it works. Like you said, North Carolina's got 28 sports. Some other schools don't. I can cry a river or I can try to raise the money and figure it out. And that's yeah. – I've been coaching long enough to do that. But I'm with you, Kendall, on, from the standpoint of we get the coach, we get the bodies that we need, but also the, really look at it. We can the, – they're telling us 25%. That, that makes no sense. You have 11.7, do what you want to with it. Put on who you want, who you don't want, things like that. And are you the are you on board with on the roster front? Are you on board with the thirty two counters forty? Because I know some coaches don't want forty, and some coaches don't want thirty two. So where do you stand on that? I'm on board with the forty for sure. I think that's yeah. I, number, personally. I think that's plenty. We played national championship in 06 with twenty six players. So obviously, you want to have more for depth. Yeah, but I'm on board for that 40, and I've also heard there's going to be a limit to how many you can even start the fall with, which would make things a little better as far as you wouldn't start yeah. the fall with 70 kids or 70 bodies. But who, they're all rumors for me until yeah. I get a, something from our folks that says this has been passed. Until Fitzy puts it in ink. That, Come on, Fitzy. That would be the Mike Rooney rule, right? Yeah, you yeah, guys need to get that done by the new year. You know, the, at least the volunteers got to be gone. Yeah, yeah. I, like Jason, I want Jason Howe to be to go do whatever he wants to do when he wants to do it by January the 1st, 2023. Make it happen, Roos. That's right. I'm on it. Coach Forbes, let's get you out of here on this. Do you, so I'm a self, I'm a 32 host apologist. I really, that idea. But I also, like the current format of our tournament is awesome, right? Like I'm the guy that sits up there in Bristol regional weekend and loses his mind for 96 straight hours. So what, do you have a preference? Do you like the current format of the postseason or do you like the idea of the 32 hosts where everything's a three-game series to Omaha? I like the way it is. I think it's been great. I think baseball's in a great place. The only change there I would make, if you're one of those 16 hosts, you're the home team every time. You earn the host. Just make that team. And I would say that if I'm on the road. We went to Texas Tech and they earned the host and it was a great environment, but they're the home team. They're one of the top 16, so they should be the home team whenever they play. Yeah. Yep. There's something weird about getting walked off on your own home field to end your season. That's just a hollow. Talk about a yeah. hollow feeling. Yeah, it's a bad feeling. I know exactly what it felt like last year, unfortunately. No, no good. Coach Forbes, this was awesome. We really appreciate your time. Gosh, I learned so much. Mike Fox is a hooper, had no idea. And the fact that Coach Fox kept Chad Holbrook and Roger Williams – I had no idea they were there before Coach Fox got the job. That is, talk about, you're right, what you said. Talk about a genius move. Oh, man. I'll leave awesome. you with one great fun fact on the Carolina coaching staff. All four coaches, at one time or the other, we were all volunteer assistants here at UNC. Oh, that is great. Find me another staff where everybody was a volunteer making under 5000 a year at one point. That is awesome. Oh, man. Very it says cool. a lot about the loyalty in that program, too. For sure. Yeah, no doubt. I was a four-year volunteer, Coach Gaines, four years, Coach Wersbicki, four years, and Coach Howell, two hmm. years, because he got offered the Wilmington pitching job after two years. Yep. No, that's well said. Cool. 
Yeah, Coach Forbes, this was great. This was absolutely awesome. We appreciate it. For the listeners, we'll be back next week. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll continue these coach conversations as we go through the fall. Coach Forbes, enjoy the rest of your fall, and we will see you in the spring. Thanks, guys, and thanks for all y'all do for all of us. You got it. Thank you. All right, right, everybody have a good week. All right, you too.